You are listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. Um, those dad jokes on the video were really bad. Uh, they really weren't that funny, so I, I thought I needed to supplement them real quick before I... <laughs> Before I start, I did this last year, my favorite one, I won't, I'll say, you know, you just have to go back and watch last year, but there, I came across a few that I really liked this time. What's blue and not very heavy? Light blue. Um, <laughs> you, you know, I'll stop there. That was a pretty good laugh. That's pretty, that's pretty good laugh. I'll, well, one more. Um, my wife says camo is attractive on guys. I don't see it. All right, I'll stop. I told you, I should have stopped. Should have stopped. This morning is our third message in the summer series, uh, Fire and Wind, a Summer of Renewal. Um, it's a summer series on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The first two messages were, were pretty uh, foundational to who the Holy Spirit is, um, what he does, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Here are some of the summary bullets. One, the Holy Spirit is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is one God eternally existing in three persons. It's, it's not an easy concept to wrap your brain around. I understand that. It's because it's supernatural, right? So super is not, is not bigger than natural. It's beyond natural. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a person and not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a new power for a new life. When we receive Christ... We also receive and then can be infilled with the Holy Spirit that helps us carry out this newness, not like we are just kind of left to try to figure it out on our own. And then what I'll double up on this morning is the Holy Spirit fuels the new mission that's given for this new life. It's actually the power of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the power of Christ activating and living inside of us for mission. Living for ourselves... Uh, Well, let me say this. The more we understand and embrace the Holy Spirit's role and activity in our life, the more transformed and transformational we become. All right? So the more we understand and embrace the Holy Spirit's role and activity in our life, the more transformed and the more transformational we become. So living for ourselves, striving for our own dreams on our own path and our own power, it proves over and over and over again not to produce what we had longed for. There really never becomes enough return on that investment. The two principal things that each of us strive for is security and significance. And I believe that I could probably sit down with you and you could tell me all your dreams and aspirations and goals and I could put them in one of those two categories. A category of security and a category of significance. Why are they there? Well, God has woven those things into our spiritual DNA, each of us, as sort of a homing beacon to find him. That, and, and it's interesting, sometimes you don't realize this until you achieve some of the things that you have longed for, hoping that they would do what you wanted them to do. And then when you hit them and it hasn't done for you what you thought, 
Well, then, you, then basically all we do is we up the ante, right? Then we go for a bigger goal or a different thing, and we keep, we keep trying to shift and plan through our lives because we're looking for one or two of those. Both are, need, are present in our lives that we lead. He's woven in. Some people's significance is a much higher thing than security. Others' security, but both of those are really, really important because he's woven them into us. Security and significance are found. Here's where you find them. We find them in a fresh relationship with Christ, shaped in community, with a life lived on, with real purpose. That, hopefully that sounds familiar to some of you. That's fresh starts, great friends, and real purpose. This really is where security and significance is found. On all of those are made possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that secures my relationship with Christ. In fact, Romans and Ephesians, Paul says in both these occasions that, that, that we are given the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, so that we might call, say, Abba, Father. Uh, a Hebrew term for, for, for dad, Papa. It's a very affectionate term used for between us and the Father. And where does that come from? That, that security of that relationship comes from the Holy Spirit. And now I want to talk also about significance today uh, through a real-life case study uh, of Peter and John. So Acts 1 and 2 is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes. Acts 3 and 4 immediately following are activities or, or an opportunity that we get to see all of this play out. But the seeds of Acts 3 and 4, uh, or at least the seed for Acts 3 and 4, gets given to us in John 14. Now, I need to write something because I talk about this so much, but John 14, 15, 16, and 17 is a last kind of download of Christ uh, the night or the night before both nights of the, his arrest. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, your famous last words kind of thing. You know, when you, when you know you're going, when you're going to go, then you want to sit down and make sure people understand the core of what you need to do, what's next. And this is what John 14, 15, 16, and 17 is doing. Jesus knows he spent three and a half years. He's transformed the life of these guys. Okay, and, and basically there's around 120 now, we, we, we figure out, that's been around and following him. And when someone's been that instrumental in your life and that close to you for those, for those years, and you have transformed in those years, three and a half years is not a long time, unless you're like 14, and then it's an eternity, right? But when you get old, you realize three and a half years is not a long time. And when you're, in, when you're involved with someone like that, and they have, I mean, 180 your entire life, and then they're going to be gone, I mean, you know, you, you can imagine some of that kind of devastation of, well, I don't even know if this works without you, right? I don't know if this works without you. With you here, it works. You away, I don't know if it works. And in John 14 is where he begins introducing to them who he's going to send so that it works. All right, and I'm reading it out of the Amplified. He's saying, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do. And he will do even greater things than these in extent and outreach because I'm going to the Father. I'll do whatever you ask in my name as my representative. This I will do so that the Father may be glorified and celebrated in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name as my representative, I'll do it. If you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, to be with you forever, the spirit of truth, 
whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart because it doesn't see him or know him. But you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you and continually will be in you, be with you and will be continually be in you. You. And this is the message this is how he starts this download. I'm not going to be here with you physically, but I'm going to be here with you. And it's super hard to wrap our brains around this idea of even doing what Jesus did. And I can imagine in that room when he's telling these people this, the disciples this, they're having the same difficulty. Well, I know we did it with you. I know we saw you do this. But now you're telling us that we are going to do these things and then you're even going to say that we're going to do them in a greater measure. So, so that's why I read it to you out of the Amplified. It's not saying that we're going to do uh, bigger things or better things that Jesus did. But, but he was self-limited in a physical body with the incarnation. Which means that he can, be, he can only be one place at a time. But he knew in his leaving and the giving of the, of the Holy Spirit with us as individuals and as a church, now there would be no limit to where we would be and where we would go and who we'd be in contact with. So that's what he means, that we will do even greater things than him. We would be doing the same things. We could do the same things as Christ, but we do them in a broader context around a broader swath of people. Um, this is where we find our security. Well, I love that song. Um, it, we, got a little, we got a little Nashville in the worship today, if you didn't pick that up, right? That was a little, there was a little country in that, in that song that, that um, uh, we were singing. But I love when it said we, 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 will, we will rise in confidence, right? We, we bow before the Father but in prayer, but we rise, we rise in confidence. And I can tell you that when I rise in confidence out of prayer, it doesn't always happen because I don't... Um, I'm weak. I don't know about y'all. You know, sometimes I don't stay, there, stay down there long enough to get up in confidence. But when I can stay down there long enough and get up in confidence, what is that? Well, one, I'm secure in my relationship with Christ. I, I know that I've been in touch with God through Christ. And I know I'm his. And so much, I mean, when my dad would look at me and say, I got this, it was so reassuring to me for my dad to tell me that he, he had it. Right, and so that's what one of the things that prayer does is it secures that relationship and we get up from our knees in prayer and you kind of get this sense that he's, he's got this, right? But then also when we receive a spirit of truth and we get some direction, we get some wisdom, I can stand up in some, some um, security of, of knowing that I know where to go and what to do and I know how to achieve this. I know what he's going to do inside of me in this and that kind of gives a strong sense of significance because I feel empowered to do what, um, what he's put before us. Now, so, so the disciples don't know any of this until they, they see and receive this resurrected Christ, right? So when he dies, they, go, they fall apart. But when Acts 2 and 3 and following, they are totally different people. One, because they've seen the risen Savior, okay? So they've seen him post resurrection. I mean, yeah, post-resurrection, post-death. Salvation is that, that's our experience. Then when we receive Christ in salvation, that is our post-resurrection experience. That he wasn't dead on a cross in a storybook. He's living and I've encountered with him. All right. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And when they filled the Holy Spirit, all they really needed at that point was opportunities to live out all what God put in front of them. And Acts 3 and 4 is really, the, really one of the first big opportunities. So here it is. Um, now I'll switch back to what I normally read out of the NIV. 
said, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I, I, I wish I could have been there. I, I wish I could give you the, the sense. I wish I could get the sense of what was going on inside Peter and John in this moment. They're, they're, they're heading to the temple at a normal time of prayer, except they weren't normal anymore. And I guarantee you they passed by this guy many times living in that city because he was, in another passage, was he was brother every day to beg. When, when Peter says, look at us, why would you say look at us if someone's looking at you? He wasn't looking at them. He was doing his normal thing. His normal thing would have been being told no, first of all, right? And so... You can, you can almost sense him holding a cup or something or having a basket or something in front of him and not even trying to make eye contact, head down, asking whenever he would hear footsteps of people coming by. But on this day, with Peter and John in a completely different place spiritually, Peter says, look at us. Now, you know how you act when somebody's around you and they're you know, one of the street corners or something like that. You know, on occasion, you know, if you've got a couple, some dollars or whatever, you might hand it out there. But if you don't have any or you don't want to, you do not make eye contact with them. Right? You all know what this feeling's like. Right? And especially if you don't have any cash. Like, you know, I, I never have any cash at the golf course, so I tell them not to clean my clubs because I know they want cash. Right? And I, go, I, don't, I don't have any cash to give you, so don't, don't clean my club. No, I'm carrying myself. I want to save that $3. I'm cheap. Peter is undeterred about what he has in his pockets. Like, like his mind doesn't even go to the fact that he don't have any change on him. What it goes to is this man's asking for something. And, oh, I know what this man really, really wants. He thinks he wants money to get through another day. But I've got something better than that. So, so kind of when you read it sometimes in English, silver and gold have I none. Hey, but look, this is what I got. So, you know, you want me to pray with you? All right. That, 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 that could be because, because we, we lean so much into what we can do and we don't lean into very much about what he can do. That's why last week I talked so much about supernatural, something beyond natural. Um, engaging someone with and in the name of Jesus Maybe outside of your comfort zone, but never underestimate or minimize the opportunity God orchestrates for you to participate in him setting people free. I know that you encounter, I encounter situations that I can't fix and can't change. And for a fixer, that's hard to swallow, right? And so then if you're a fixer and you can't solve what's going on, the, the, the tendency is that I'm, I can't participate. 
But when you look at what Jesus did in three and a half years, this is, this is a brilliant plan. So, so we, God sends his son for salvation to make provision for all of us for, for salvation. And then, it, and then you can almost, I can almost see the, the wheels turning, right? As if God has to turn wheels. But in my mind, you know, God's wheels are turning. How do we keep, these thing, how do we keep this thing going? All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start off and we're going to build a leadership team. I'm going to spend three and a half years and I'm going to develop leadership. I'm going to to develop people who understand who I am and what I'm after and what I came to do and how this is possible. This is what I'm going to start there. So he starts there and it's on the job training because he's not just teaching them in a classroom, right? He's with them. He's doing stuff with them. He's sending them out, bringing them back. I mean, he is laying himself open and out for three and a half years, these people. All right. All right. Now, before he ascends, he gives what's known as the great commission. All right. And it's in every gospel. And when you weave them all together, basically it's saying, go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey and follow me, and I'll be with you to the very end of the age. So he, he builds this leadership base. They know he's, what he's about, what, he's, what he can do, what he's capable of, and then he tells them, oh, this is what I want you to do. All right? But how many times have you been assigned something and not given you the authority or the power to do what you've been assigned? Right? That, that is the major frustration in all of workplaces all over the country is you're, you've, been, you've been tasked with something, but you don't have the tools or the authority or the power to do it. And yet he says, I give you all authority. And then with the infilling of the spirit that's about to happen, he gives them all the power. So he starts with the leadership base. He tells them exactly what he wants them to do. He gives them power to accomplish what He's giving them to do. And so now all we, lack, all we lack is opportunity. The opportunity. What opportunities come available now in order for me to take my relationship with Christ with a mission given, with the authority and power to accomplish that, and I have an opportunity, now it's time for me to step into it. And I understand that there are situations in our life that we come into, circumstances with other people that we would rather walk away from then lean into. But wow, what happens when a follower of Christ, filled with the presence of God, steps into something that's so far beyond you, but never beyond him. Amazing, amazing things happen. When we walk in faith for greater things, this is just the type of scenario that we walk into and not away from. Praying in situations like this is not stepping in with a confidence in what we can do. It's a confidence in what God can do. How many times have you not walked into a situation because you didn't have enough confidence in what he could do? I can tell you a bunch of times for me, and I can tell you a bunch of times when I don't walk into it because I didn't have any confidence in me. Funny story, I was, Gene and I were eating in Buckhead in Atlanta years and years ago. Um, Buckhead is just think the gulch in Atlanta, except older. And, um, and I saw an, old, an elderly woman walking across the parking lot and she fell, and I mean, she fell hard. And nobody was around to see it except me and Gina. And I, I, I ran over to her immediately and, um, and I said, ma'am, can I, can I pray for you? I don't, I just, I'm a pastor in town, can I pray for you? That's what I said, I don't know why I said it. And she looked at me and she said, what church? <laughs> I promise. I mean, and she went down hard. And I went, I was just kind of taken back a little bit. I went, um, Mount Perrin. She, oh, I know that church. You guys believe in healing. 
And I said, we do. She said, okay, you can pray. But by then I thought she's probably okay. You know what I'm saying? But, but, but I almost see in, in a minimalist state, right? I almost see that's Peter and John's reaction to the opportunity in front of them. I don't think they're thinking about it. I don't think they're having a discussion about it. I don't think they're wondering, about, can we help him or not? I mean, there, there, was, there was something that, were, that, ro- that had rose up inside of them that they had faith for greater things because greater things were going on in their life. They were experiencing Christ at a level they had never experienced him before. God had never uh, experienced, never experienced God like that before. And they were just, they were full, okay? They were full. There was stuff wanting to come out and here was an opportunity. And instead of walking away from it, ignoring it, they ran to it. They extend, Peter extends his hand. He extends his hand to this man. And in the extension of the hand, the man grabs his arm. And when he pulls on it, scripture is really, really cool in the grammatic sense that when the man rose up, then his ankles received strength. He grabs his arm. He doesn't just, hey, you know, throws out a caveat and moves on. And here's, here's big idea number one. I will discover more life when I step into opportunities with faith for greater things. I, I will. I will experience more life when I step into opportunities with faith for greater things. The second thing the Holy Spirit did in that occasion is he gave them boldness for witness. So miracles are never performed in a vacuum. When God does something miraculous in your life, it's never supposed to be meant for a vacuum. It's always layered. Okay, when, someone, when, when God will insert you in someone's, of, someone's life to pray for them for greater things. It's never, it's never in a vacuum. They're always to set up the telling of his story. Always. Okay, and so in this case, all right, here's what happens. While Peter and John were talking, back out of the Amplified, while Peter and John were talking to the people, The priests and the captain who was in charge of the temple area and of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them being extremely disturbed and thoroughly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in the case of Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them. They put them in jail till the next day. That was my dad's. My dad's premise was no good deed goes unpunished. He was a very positive man. So they arrested them and put them in jail until the next day because it was evening. But many of those who heard the message of salvation believed in Jesus and accepted him as the Christ. And the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their magistrates and elders and scribes, the Sanhedrin Jewish high court, were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Ananias, this high priest, was there. And Caiaphas and John the Alexander, John and Alexander and all the others who were of high priestly descent so that they were supposed to be in charge religiously. When they put the men in front of them, they repeatedly asked, by what sort of power or in what name, that is, by what kind of authority did you do this healing? Then Peter, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, members of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high court, if we're being put on trial today to interrogate us for a good deed done to benefit a disabled man, As to how this man has been restored to health, let it be known clearly and understood by all of you, by all the people of Israel, that in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, who you demanded to be crucified by the Romans and whom God raised from the dead in his name, that is by the authority and power of Jesus. This man stands before you in good health. This Jesus is the stone which was despised and rejected by you, the builders by which became the chief cornerstone. 
Now, now, that, now in that particular case, he is quoting he, what, what the Holy Spirit has brought to his remembrance is something from the Old Testament in which now they would have known, okay? And there is salvation in no one else for there's no other name under heaven that's been given among people by which we must be saved. For God has provided the world no alternative for salvation. Now, when the men of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high court, saw the confidence and the boldness of Peter and John and grasped the fact that they were uneducated and untrained, ordinary men, they were astounded and began to recognize that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing there with them, they had nothing to say in reply. Right? Leonard Ravenhill said this. He's a, a, a turn-of-the-century evangelist. He said, a person with an experience is never at the mercy at a person with an argument. A person with an experience is never at the mercy at a pers- as a, with a person with an argument. So th- they, could have, they could have argued all day long. Right? This is what they were doing, right? You had no authority to do this. Seriously? Seriously? This guy hasn't walked since birth. And that was a significant fact. That after 40 years with an infirmity, and especially at birth, they believed, the religious even believed, there was nothing available to you. There was nothing, you are just going to be that way the rest of your life. It's significant that he was 40 years old and we're told that. So the dude standing right here, do we, do we, do we want to have a discussion on what just happened? Right? He's, he's standing, he's standing right here. The salvation message of Jesus will always be an irritation to people, institutions, ideologies who want to control. Always. Why? Because Jesus brings freedom. And there are going to, there are going to be ways in which it's always going to be fought and dismissed and put down. Because people want to control you. Anybody that dismisses and puts down our faith... It's because our faith is what frees us. The only way to proclaim the message of Christ in a culture hostile to absolutes, especially spiritual ones, will require a supernatural boldness that can only come from spending time with Jesus. And they realized that these men had spent time with Jesus. Which means then they were, there was such security in their relationship and what, what, what Jesus had done in their life. It was so significant. The call that was given to them was taken at such heart. The power in which they experienced was undeniable experience. That you weren't going to, they weren't going to stop. There was a boldness about them and their experience that it, it didn't matter what someone was going to say or do, or maybe, oh, heaven forbid, insult us. Heaven forbid, embarrass us. I want us to have the kind of faith and the kind of power resting inside of us that we believe for greater things. That circumstances and situations that you find yourself in, that family finds themselves in, that friends find themselves in, that our world finds itself in. That there would be a group of people that would not just say, well, that just is the way it is. It's just going to be that way. Now, I'm a realist of realist of realist, almost on the side of pessimist. Except when it comes to things of God. <laughs> oh, no, now. I'm not going to, that may be the way it is, and that might be what we have to walk through, but I know I don't have to walk through it by myself. 
But I can also believe that this will change. And so I'm going to stand up here and we're going to talk about having faith for something greater and not being smushed and conformed into just something else. And when you ask me why it happened or how it can happen, this is the open opportunity to talk about who Jesus is. This is what he wants to get to. Miracles are great. Circumstance change in our life, they're great for us, but they're always to set it up for some conversation. Early on in Gateway's life, I remember this, this family had come right out of the Catholic church. And they started coming to Gateway. And um, the mom was, was more, three, three college-age kids, um, typical um, man's man, dad kind of guy. So, um, you know, well, I guess, if, you know, if she wants me to go to church with her once a week, I guess I can go. You know, not really, you know, everything was kind of arm's length, but, you know, it keeps peace in the family, I'll go. But mom, she was... This was tracking with her. And then even on the back of the seat back, there's a card called the Connect card. There's a place where you can get prayer requests. And, um, and so we had them back in those days, but it was actually bigger. And, um, and she wrote a prayer request on that one day. And the, what she told us was as she was passing it down to put in those offering things that we used to do, her kids were laughing at her and embarrassed by her. Mom, I can't believe you're doing that. What, what? And her prayer request was her mother was getting of the age and they were afraid of her driving and they didn't know what to do. And she lived in a different state. Dad's blowing it off. Kids are actually embarrassing mom. But that week, not only did we pray for it, but that week she sends us an email that said, you'll never guess what happened. I said, oh, yeah, I can. <laughs> mom called this week. And said, I don't think I should drive anymore. Can you send your husband up to get my car? All that was to tell the story of a God who hears and moves. Um, when I was a missions pastor in Atlanta, and you know, I, I, have, I have several um, letters after my name, so people think I'm smart in other settings. I know you guys know the truth. And... Um, <laughs> But I was asked to participate in an interfaith dialogue at a mosque by an Indian man that attended our church. And in his work group, in his work group, there, there was discussions and this, there was an interfaith dialogue at this, at this mosque and they asked me to represent Christianity. So Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, there was, uh, I think, Baha'i, there was Muni, Mormon, and then Christian, little old Charlie going into this mosque. And I said yes before I thought about saying no. You know, because sometimes you just got to make up your mind you say yes. Someone needs to hear that today. Sometimes you just got to make up your mind you're going to say yes to an opportunity, even though it's way over your head. And this was way over my head, right? So immediately I'm going, I have no, Lord, I have no idea what I'm going to say. And I promise you, what I promise you, what the Holy Spirit told me was, what are you talking about? You tell the gospel. This is an easy story. We, had, we have sin. We're sinful people. We're separated from God. God sends his son to die in our place, not just to pay our price of sin, but to now reunite us with the Father. So that's the story you tell. And so it was amazing. I was like sixth in line. Women were on one side. By the way, if you think Christianity is backwards... 
in this mosque, women were on one side separated with a wall and glass, and men were on this side. And almost every person coming down that line made reference to Christianity, of how, how, how I like it was to Christianity, I promise. The similarities they had with Christianity come down the line. And it got to me, I've been sweating bullets the whole time, you know? But I, I stood up and I said, well, the first thing I want to say is actually there's nothing alike in, in any of our faiths. And that's exactly the response I got. And for the next 10 minutes, just 10 minutes, I said, this is why Christianity is different. I never said this is why Christianity is the best. Uh, I said, this is why it's different. And I sat down. Next person gets up and talks about how similar their Mormon, Mormonism was to <laughs> Christianity. And then it was over. There was an open, it was open mic questions. And all the questions were directed at one person. <laughs> Promise. They were all directed to me. Now, was that because I was a super orator that day? Far from it. Far from it. Was I more learned than these other people professing their faith? No. I met some of them afterwards. Far from it. What was the difference? The message. The messages. The boldness is our part. The message does its own thing. But the message can't do its own thing if it's locked inside of the messenger. So what does the Holy Spirit do in this occasion with the disciples? It, they had faith to step into something they had no business stepping into, right? There was, there was no way out of that, right? They, they, they couldn't make the guy walk again. But they believed for greater things. They were empowered for greater things. They stepped into it. And when, when it's first chance of that thing being shut down, they go, no, 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 no. When Jesus said that in, 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 in Acts 1, and, and uh, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit, I will give you the power to be my witnesses. That's a noun and a verb. A witness is a noun. That's someone who's experienced something. And it's a verb. It's something we do. And this boldness for witness comes from power of the Holy Spirit. So big idea number two, I will discover more life when I step into opportunities with faith for greater things and a bold witness. All right, but the story's not over. So you jump in verse 15 of Acts 4. So, but after ordering them to step out of the council chamber, they began to confer among themselves, the religious elite, saying, what are we to do with these men? For the fact that an extraordinary miracle has taken place through them as public knowledge and clearly evident to all the residents of Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. But to keep it from spreading further among the people in the nation, let us sternly warn them not to speak again to anyone in his name. So they sent them out and commanded them not to speak as his representatives or teach at all in the name of Jesus, using him as their authority. But Peter and John replied to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you or obey you rather than God, you must judge for yourselves. For we on our part can't, cannot stop. Notice, it isn't we won't stop. I mean, that's applicable. We cannot stop telling people about what we've seen and heard. I mean, this is our experience. This is truth. This is real. We, we can't. It's going to come out of us no matter what you do. When the rulers and the council members had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of their fear of the people. 
For they were all praising and glorifying and honoring God for what had happened. For the man to whom this sign attesting miracle of healing had happened was more than 40 years old. Then later in that same chapter, now the disciples are back among this burgeoning group, this new church. And this is their prayer. And now, Lord, observe their threats, take them into account, and grant that your bondservant may declare your message of salvation with great confidence. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders, attesting miracles take place through the name and the authority and the power of your holy servant and son, Jesus. Son Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were meeting together was shaken, a sign of God's presence. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness and courage. Here's big idea number three. I will discover more life when I step into opportunities with faith for greater, a bold witness, and confidence to continue, regardless of the opposition. But you notice where the opposition is coming from. The opposition is coming from people who wanted to control what they were doing. There was no opposition from the people. As far as the people concerned, listen, the average person, the average person who is not out to try to control your thinking, control your actions, control the average person, if it works, it works. Right? If it works, it works. I'm willing to do, try. If something works, it works. They're not interested in trying to figure out all this stuff. They just want to know what's true. What's true? Is this fake stuff you're talking about or is it true stuff? Are you, and this is why we get the word hypocrite from. We'll say, wow, the church is full of hypocrites. Well, of course we are. Because we're all still in process at some level. But the bottom line of a hypocrite is not someone who fails. Not someone who makes mistakes. Not someone who sins. It's, a hypocrite is someone pretending to be someone they're not. And the only way then I become a hypocrite is if I put something on you that I'm not willing to put on myself. I don't want to be around those people either. But if we believe what we believe and we live it and we share it, when it works with us, someone's going to know what works. Leadership, mission, Power, opportunity. This, this is a formula for life. It is what the church is called into. It is what you and I, if you're a follower of Christ, are called into. The security that we're so looking for is found in a relationship with Christ. The significance we're all longing for is to live our life on purpose, on mission for God. And then every other, every, your career, um, your home, all this stuff will, will fall into place into this overarching relationship with Christ and participation in his mission. And all of it's possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. The willingness to say yes, to step into those opportunities. I want to live my life ready for that. I want our church to live our life ready for that. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came on certain people at certain times. 
for certain tasks. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit's poured out on all flesh. Men, women, young, old, doesn't matter, all flesh. When I was a sophomore in high school, real quick, I, um, I was really, really disappointed because um, we finished uh, spring workouts for, for the baseball team in high school. And um, I, thought, I thought I was ready to, to move up and start um, at, on the varsity squad, um, having spent my freshman year down at JV. And um, the, when, when the coach divided us up and sent me to the JV field, he knew that I, w- I was devastated. And, uh, and he came over to me and said, listen, um, you can come up here and sit or you can go down there and hit better and you start hitting better, I'll bring you up. Well, that's all I needed and I just had the fuel to go after it, right? But interesting enough, only about three games into the season, our, our, we, we were playing down on a lower field at a, at a prep school and we had won and we come up to the big field where the high schoolers were playing um, and I had my shirt untucked now, my spikes were off, I'm chasing foul balls like I was getting a, a you know, a, a, a pop tart or something right from the concession stand at ice popping. And um, we're late in the innings, guy gets on and I hear him call my name. He started basically going, where? Where? And I come out of popping out of the woods and I got my shirt untucked, my, I'm in my sock feet and he just, I saw the disappointment in his face. I mean, it was kind of like, are you kidding me? James grabs our, another kid off our JV squad. He pinch runs, he ends up scoring the winning run. And I'm looked there, I'm there with my shirt out of my pants and no shoes on. I can assure you, I was never caught like that ever again. You, you only have to get left behind one time of something you knew you should have stepped into. And you don't want to do that no more. How would your world change if you tucked your shirt back in and kept your shoes on? What in your life right now would change if you had faith for greater things? And you'd go before the Lord in prayer for those greater things. What would change in the life of the people around you if you had a boldness to tell the simple message of Christ to somebody? How would your world change if you have received the opposition and you have started to shrink back if you stood back up? What would change? Father, you have demonstrated beyond what anybody could have ever imagined of what it's like to be loved by you by sending your son. And that isn't the end of the story. That's the beginning of the story of us being on your team. And you have a role for us to play. And there wouldn't be anybody that would deny that right now, as much as any time in our lifetimes, boy, our world is messed up. And people are believing stuff that are just, it's just opposite of what's true. And they're never going to know any difference unless someone speaks up with the truth. And I know that I can't do that in my power. And I know the people in front of me are watching now. They can't do it in their own power either. And yet you've given us your power to step in with boldness. To believe for greater things. 
but not be so easily pushed around. And in this moment, Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit. Lord, that it wouldn't be our choice of ours of whether we would step into something. Lord, we would be stepping without even really realizing we're stepping because we cannot stop telling about what we have seen and heard. If that's you today, where you want faith for greater things, you want, you, want, you want more power and boldness in speaking the word of God into your circumstance, or maybe you have been knocked backwards because of some opposition, and you want the confidence to stand back up in front of that, I just want you to stand right now. I want faith for greater, Pastor. I want faith for greater in my life. I want more boldness to step into things, opportunities in my life. And if I've been knocked down, I want more confidence to stand up. Father, you see, you see your, your, your servants, your children, your sons, your daughters in this room. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just fall fresh on them today. Lord, that the security that they need in their relationship with you, may your spirit give that. That's what is a seal of our inheritance, he is. And I pray that you would fill us so full of faith. I know and I believe that you will do great things in us if we'll have the confidence to step out. And I pray that you would just fill this room, fill these people with that in the name of Jesus. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.